think Mike Duffy called them the boys in short pants. And I they're both boys and girls because I've seen them. Women and men. Hello, this is episode 70 of the Boys in Short Pants, the 71st episode. I'm Laurent Carboneau. <laughs> it's in rainbow. Thanks, Etienne. We're actually experimenting with a novel format today. We're recording on my cou- two of my couches. Um, so it's sort of a lounge arrangement. Uh, so we'll see if that affects uh, <laughs> affects the quality here today. Um, I'm very cozy. I may fall asleep. Yeah, we will. We will see. Etienne just got back from vacation a couple of days ago, like last Thursday, Wednesday, last Wednesday. Yeah, and then you had to settle in. You bought a house. You did a bunch of other there, stuff. There are things things going on. Different yeah. different priorities. It's been a busy week. Yeah, and Etienne has many many thoughts about RSVs and homeownership now, which we'll perhaps <laughs> share with you. We'll see where we go. Uh, but among the things that Etienne missed while he was gone uh, was the 2019 federal budget. Which of course came out Tuesday before last. The what? Uh, I, I haven't heard anything about it. <laughs> it's Chan here. I've never heard of this document. Prefacing this with uh, a little bit of what's been wryly observed around town, which is that the budget seems to have come and gone with with nary a whimper. Um, I think that there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, one was that just in terms of pure like fiscal room. The the government basically in its early budgets set up a lot of backloaded programming and and new spending. So it was like a couple, you know, like just really ramping up over the life of the mandate. So then they're getting down to the end of the mandate and they're realizing, ah, shit, uh, we ran out of money. Um, well, so let's spend into future years. Yes. So now it's just the, the whole thing is backdated permanently, which seems good. But there you go. Uh, so asterisk really in everything. Might as well just... There'll, there'll be two years in the mid 2020s when we're just skipping budgets because all that money's already spoken <laughs> it's for. It's like, oh, well, it's already. I think we pretty much covered it's, everything it's here. Done. Right? We're, we're already done. We did it in 19. Uh, not 19. Yeah, 2020. We, we did it in 2021. Yeah. So no, no need to revisit well-trod ground. Um. So that that's one reason, and I think that is a significant one. Um. But the because I mean, like they had better than expected tax revenues this year. Yes. I think is a little bit better growth, though. I think now the understanding is that we're headed into some slower growth. Tell I don't me, know how closely you follow macro macroeconomic indicators. But tell me that, how you feel about the yield curve. Ah, uh, it's great. I love the yield curve. There you go. Yeah, it's good to me. Um. Yeah, so that's one reason. The other reason, of course, is the the shadow of the Colossus here, which is the, um, as well as being an excellent PlayStation Two game, was a uh, the specter of Jody Wilson Raybould and Jane Philpotts. I don't even know what to call it anymore. Um, kerfuffle. I mean, it's it's I think a little bit more serious than a kerfuffle. I yeah, think, no, I think that's probably. I think fair. kerfuffle might be downplaying it substantially. Yeah. Shamrock Twitter, though, perhaps not, but um, I, it's rude to joke about that, apparently, so my, 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 my apologies. Um, yeah, no, so obviously people were saying, is this going to be, a, are they going to be able to change the channel on the budget? I think the uh, resounding answer to that is no, no, they were not able to do that. Well, let's, let's step back one little bit to sort of where it was frozen in time when I left. Sure. Which was the Justice Committee. Yeah. Um, before the Justice Committee. Oh my God, that was so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> Weeks ago, but it, it does matter. Um, so the second vote of the Justice Committee to not call Jody Wilson Raybould and instead wait until uh, the Tuesday. Yes, the which was bu- budget budget day. Tuesday. Yeah. 
um, in order to have the in-camera meeting. And so the liberals, more or less, in my opinion, took a calculated risk as to the, whether they could bury SNC under the budget or bury the budget under SNC. Yeah. And it seems like the latter is what happened. Indeed, which is great for a government promoting its election year budget. That's fantastic. You want that. Sorry, the election year what now? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, it's also worth saying that this was a while ago now, but that meeting where they elected to postpone, they had an emergency meeting in the the break week leading up to it. And basically the conservatives said their piece, NDP said their piece, and then literally the first liberal goes up and says they move to adjourn, and then they just vote to end the meeting after like 22 minutes or something. Looked really bad. Uh, Just, I, I have to say, like, I don't know... What's going on with the issues management over at PMO or like with the liberals generally? Because it's just like, and I'm not the first person to observe this by by any means. Like this is this is not really an original thought around Ottawa, but like the budget is a communications document. What is what is go- no? But what is <laughs> going on with issues management around this? Yeah, you're not, you're not wrong. I've often been joking that michael warnick should take the little paint scraper to the window of the issues management door and just scratch out management because it's clearly just issues at this point i i just don't understand like there's been no coherent like strategy to this like it's 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 hard to imagine kind of, we'll get back to it i guess but it's kind of been surfing from thing to thing it's hard to imagine them having done a worse job it really is yeah because i mean it's been keeping it alive and giving it oxygen for like six weeks now um like give or take i don't i don't really know it just feels like a a kind of timeless uh a timeless vortex at this point that that we're all trapped inside but and it's just sort of this like jody wilson rabled herself is actually managing the issues a lot better than like the whole weight of government is i would say yeah i mean to one, one of the examples we can cover in a little more depth in a minute um but one of the best examples of this is as the story was you know these these stories peter out when there is an absence of new information to report on, yes. right? There's only so much uh, journalists are willing to do in terms of retreading the same ground. Fair enough. And so, like, just as things seem to be slowing down, the liberals leaked this, like, Supreme Court justice side narrative. Can, l- let's come back to that in a minute. We can come back to it in more detail. I, I just okay. want to point this out uh, to, to sort of wrap up this thread sure. of thought. But it's just... It was dying, and it seems like they intentionally tried to stoke the flames of it to take a shot at uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould, to take a shot at her credibility. Yeah. Um, which I think was poorly, poorly advised. Yeah. I think, so, let, let's talk about liberal communications um, in sort of the Trudeau era. Everyone has often given them significant credit for doing a good job of branding Justin Trudeau uh, throughout the campaign, bringing them from third-party status all the way to a majority government, that they did phenomenal branding and made Justin Trudeau like a global phenomenon. Sure. That's a very different type of communications work than crisis comms and issues management. Yeah. And the government to date has not exactly excelled at crisis comms in any of the instances. That's, yeah, that's definitely true. Small business tax cuts, the India trip... Um, but all of those were sort of own goals and billionaire island for that matter too yes yeah 
And realistically, those are all fairly small compared to what's being alleged in the SNC Lavalin Yeah, because those, those were goofs and, like, poor execution of things and, like, mistakes. Yeah, like, dancing around in cultural garb in India is not on the same level as being accused to illicit, illicitly pressuring your attorney general to make... Though technically not illicit in the sense of illegal, uh, as many will rush to correct. Sorry unconstitutional yes which i think is a fine bar to hold one's behavior yeah i agree that against. it's perhaps if when that's your standard you should be when's, looking at yourself in the mirror when's the last time you acted unconstitutionally Laurent? I, I don't know if i ever have to be honest with you uh well, well yeah no i mean i think part of it too is not only is this a government that seems a little adrift when it comes to crisis comms i think part of that is just they have not really been meaningfully challenged on this scale which perhaps says something for the performance of the opposition in the last several years, um, that all of their their major scandals have been own goals for the most part. But this one, it just really seems like they are not used to dealing with this kind of issue over a long term and with kind of a horizon. Like, they, it's just they don't seem to have been challenged by this before. And like the inexperience, perhaps, of in, in politics of a lot of the people around the prime minister is, I think, becoming kind of apparent. Also on... As, as well as... So, you could take that to mean staff, but it's also very quite clear that's, of the Liberal caucus. That's exactly where I was about to go. Yes, thank you, Etienne, for leading me into my own point. Much appreciated. I tried to finish your sentences. <laughs> but no, absolutely, because like the va- they, it bears remembering that they had a 33-person caucus before the 2015 election, uh, and now they have 180-some. Like... It, it, it the vast 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 majority like you have a majority government on their rookies alone or not quite but close to um and that like that means something because it's people who for the most part have never been elected before there are a couple people i think who are re- returning um but they're, they're people who for the last couple of years really have not been enormously challenged they haven't been operating like the minority context that i think Stephen harper's conservatives got to be you know for whatever their their flaws, many as they were, disciplined. They, they were very disciplined, um, and and kind of knew what to expect, and were willing to throw their elbows out and play hardball. Um, these guys don't really seem to be equipped for that, or have the experience for it, or have the inclination for it. Frankly, I think as I saw with Nathaniel Erskine Smith last week, um, there seems to be a lot of like going on in kind of parts of the backbench. So. I think that has been a real challenge for them and they're not really equipped to do this kind of without extensive handholding and prepping from what I've been able to observe from the outside. So I don't know, maybe liberals are pulling their hair listening to this, which I mean, I imagine you would be most of the time, but there you go. Yeah. And I mean, much of the managing of this has been sort of two tracks. There's been uh, the government's attempts to manage it in caucus. Yeah. Uh, with overt outwards communication from the PM talking about his open-door policy and things along those lines, um, which I'm sure ruffled some feathers. Mm -hmm. Um, But you can see sort of the the dual track, and at times it's almost as if they've been more focused on caucus management than on sort of outward national uh, communications management. Yeah. Um, Which in its own way is problematic that you have uh, that you see the need to manage, to prioritize caucus management in this case, because you know that your caucus isn't yeah. sufficiently disciplined. So let's circle back around to this in a minute and finish off the budget. Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah, we were. Sorry, sorry, the what now? We were, yes, we were mid budget. Um, you wanted to talk about a piece that the Canadian press published 
that gave you considerable pause. So, uh, do you have it in front of you? We, we've complained about the baloney meter before, and last time we brought it up was in the context of immigration and whether or not immigration was a crisis. Right. And the main criticism then was that it was they were trying to introduce sort of the the fact checker uh, frame to what's more or less a subjective political determination. Yeah. Um, and as I read the headline, was the budget a political prop for the scandal-plagued liberals? Like that can't you, you can't really have a yes or no answer to that, right? <laughs> like that's ultimately like you've got kind of a category error in the fact-checking department. Oh my god! So you know, fact-checking has obviously had a renaissance um, with Politifact coming mm-hmm. out of the United States university or uh miami yeah it's a florida or miami it's in florida somewhere anyway and the pinocchios and all all the rest of this everyone loves the pinocchios (laughs) yeah which they're like i love how frequently wrong they are beautiful anyway continue sorry well that's sort of where that's sort of where we're going with canadian press's baloney meter is that they keep seeming to try and pick like non-objective statements and so the the core of the article about was the budget a political prop for the scandal plague like liberals seems to be like basic facts about budget timing yeah which is which is fine and then getting like economic experts to weigh in on what are fundamentally political questions yeah like having kevin page as the article does weigh in on whether you gotta or not... hand it to kevin page or the guy is never afraid to give a quote <laughs> never afraid to give a quote you gotta respect that never decline comment that's hustle. But having Kevin Page weigh in as to whether or not the budget includes like significant signature initiatives to constitute a cover up of the SNC so, is just like I think that's worth doesn't make any sense to me. I think it's worth circling back and saying let's say you're you're the Liberals and it's February seventh and you look at the front page of the Globe and Mail and you're like, ah, well this seems like an issue. Uh quick, call Bill Morneau and tell him to I don't know, like throw in another billion for something. It's just that's not how that works. Like they do the budget for the rest of the year and then like fin it basically well, finish it in like late fall. You you mean for the next ten years? Well yes, sometimes. <laughs> the way it's been going. Yes. But like that's the budget cycle is not such that if you have a surprise in early February you're gonna like throw some goodies at people to to shut them up. Like that's just not really how the federal budget works like and the timing is usually like this time of year like give or take i don't know five weeks like and mostly on the take side like it's more going to be on the february side than the april side but like yeah like it was not the timing was not suspicious in any way like they'd probably been set fairly long in advance and the contents were not really subject to enormous amounts of review at the time that the scandal broke like it wasn't it just wasn't gonna like happen back to the drawing board yeah that's not something you do with like yeah no it's yeah anyway sorry it's just like the whole premise of that was just so ridiculous that it's like people were saying and like look from the the political side i have no doubt that the liberals wanted to use their budget to change the channel but they weren't going to be like you know cramming more stuff into it at the last minute to try and like do this like they just were gonna have to go with what they had and that's what they tried to do and it didn't really do much for them because they had kind of run out their runway on the earlier budgets so so like to loop back to the the headline question here was the budget a political prop for the scandal plague liberals yes but not for the reasons you think well the most the most observation in ottawa and i alluded to this before is that the budget is a 
communications document. Mm-hmm. So the budget is always a political prop. Yeah. And then who's the budget a political prop for? The scandal-plagued liberals. I don't know. It just seems to answer the question to me. Yeah, like, I mean, they, they are always... They, exactly. The, the answer is yes, but not in the way the Canadian press kind of wants you to think with the framing here. I think it's probably the answer. So th- that's the headline, and headlines might be misleading. Let me read the, the sheer quote that this is centered around. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau thinks today's budget will distract Canadians from all of this. He is using the budget, a critical element of any government's agenda, as nothing more than a political prop in an unprecedented cover-up. Okay, admittedly, that is a stupid thing to say. Eh, you're going to have to parse this pretty finely. Like, we understand broadly that political communications are not intended to be nuanced explanations of sure. procedure. yeah. Um, so I, I think it certainly falls within the one standard of deviation of sort of what we expect of political communications. Sure. And and to nitpick it as if that is not what every single party does in nearly every instance of someone speaking, I think is a little unfair. I just I just critical. find conservative as a sort of mode of communication of, of the last like, you know, five, ten years. Just really insultingly stupid. So I, I react poorly to it, but fair enough. And yet you put up with me. Yes. It is a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> no, but really, I yeah, I mean, whatever. I just find sheer cloying and bad. Uh, I, I don't think I'm the only person outside of the Conservative Party. I don't think that, you know, I'm sure there are some people in the Conservative Party who probably agree. But there you go. Um, we're we're going to get off track if I start saying mean things about your leader too now. Fair enough. Uh, let, let's not go there. Um, yeah, so that, I think budget... Eh, it's fine. Any any highlights for you, like in it spending wise? Actually, why don't why don't you just go ahead and get this off your chest? RSPs. So <laughs> I know you don't want me to launch into this conversation. Go ahead. But You've you know, I'm I'm kicked back on the couch. I'm I'm ready to rant. Here we go. Go ahead. Okay. Well, let me let me backtrack real quick and talk about the budget broadly. Um, there weren't a lot of signature initiatives, as Kevin Page rightly pointed out in this ridiculous article. Um, but of the initiatives there were, there were a lot of retail political initiatives. The previous budgets budgets, and the fall economic statement have had sort of broader themes. Um, economic competitiveness, in the FES uh, last year. science, innovation, yeah, etc. budget last year. A lot of those things have been dropped, and this one was sort of a lot of retail things intended to target individuals. Uh, liberals seem to have fallen into the rut of almost boutique tax credits, but not quite in most instances. It wouldn't it be like I, I just think the crowning achievement of this government would be the middle class and those working hard to join a tax credit, <laughs> just like for being middle class. And it's it's not, instead of being income test or uh, means tested, it's like how hard you work tested, H- hope and hard work tested. <laughs> I'm sure they would have to develop. No, liberals love means test, dude. Come on, <laughs> they would not not means test something. So, wait, of all of it, though, so let, let me just tell a quick story. I'm in, as Laurent mentioned, I'm in the middle of buying a house, and quite literally, like, started to sign some of the paperwork on the day I left on vacation. So, three days before the budget. Three days before the budget, and part of buying a home is maximizing or leveraging how you use RSP funds because of the home buyer's plan. What does RSP stand for, Jan? 
Registered retirement savings plan. Okay. That was not so much a test as just you explaining for people who are listening. Well, yeah. yeah. Got to okay. do that. Yeah. So, yes, the RRSP, which is essentially a time-limited tax shelter that you put money into, you get a tax deduction for the year in which you put funds into the RRSP, you invest the money in the RRSP over the long term, and later you can withdraw it when you're not making much income, um, and so therefore it counts towards your income and it's taxed at a lower bracket than when you're sort of in, in your heydays of wage earning. And so what the home buyer's plan has done for the past, I think it's been about a decade, is there's been a $25,000 uh, exemption, or not exemption, but you're able to withdraw $25,000 and put that money towards your mortgage. And you have to repay that $25,000 over, I think it's 15 years, in one fifteenth increments. So you withdraw $25,000 and you put in you know, $1,500 a year after that to uh, bring your RSP back up. So a lot, a lot of the analysis, I mean, there's certainly a lot of things the liberals could have done or the government could have done for home buyers. They didn't avail themselves a lot of those options. The housing market is tricky because a lot of the levers are local and are energy. local. A lot, a lot of the levers of what we're dealing with, yeah. which is like lack of supply, comes around to zoning questions and things along those lines. So the federal government controls like uh, C- CMHC and how CMHC does yeah. mortgage insurance. And, and to be fair, CMHC like does have a lot of levers and like has yes. been really, really quite a force in the housing market. So it's not to undervalue like, but, but the federal the, tools. But, but the yeah. levers, the levers federally are all on the demand side. Absolutely, yeah. They're no, not no, on the no supply side. There. Yeah. With the exception of creating social housing units, yeah, and I was here and say there, as well, but it's, like, it's not really the same category. Yeah, and sort of you could like grant land to like land trusts, that kind of sure. stuff. But fundamentally, most of the federal tools are on the demand side. No, no question there. So, of uh, people who hate the housing market, you'll have them say like RSPs and all this is terrible, terrible. It'll just overheat uh, the housing market. I don't think that's necessarily true. Uh, and I should mention the other um, tool the Liberals put in the budget was this like uh, mortgage equity. What 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 exactly the they call it? Home buyers something. I honestly don't remember what they called it, which is a bad sign because I feel like we're <laughs> exactly the kind of people who like this was supposed to be like, oh great, this is awesome. But uh, but it was. I mean, we don't know all the details of it yet, though. Yeah. But it has, you know, it caps out at one hundred twenty thousand dollars of uh, income of income. Yeah. Between. Between a household, yeah. Between a household, which is reasonably low. It means your maximum and five yeah. times. Well, reasonably low for like hot housing markets. Yeah, for, yeah. for major urban centers yeah. across Canada. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's like it's a perfectly, it's a pretty comfortable amount of money to have, but yeah, point taken. No, but in a dual income sure, sure. earning yeah. situation in, you know, urban centers, generally. No, no, know, no. Like your point is taken. A yeah. lot of people are going to be hitting that threshold. Um, anyways, back, back to. So. The, the details are out on that particular part of it, but back to the RRSPs. So in practice, what it means is millennials typically, myself included, tend not to have a lot of money, if any money, in RRSPs. Uh, I didn't have an RRSP account until I considered buying a home. Like, because... You need to have it in for, like, however many days. Nine, you... 90 days, yeah. but that, that's not a big deal. Um, because if you have little, little foresight... 
Um, you can have your money in there for 90 days. But when you look at all of the investment websites, like ever, um, the trade-offs between RSPs and TFSAs, you can put a lot of money into both. You can talk away over $50,000 into each if you've been working for a couple of, you know, almost a decade as you and I have. Um, I've not been working that long. No, and like I'm talking from you like... You sometimes I'm several years younger than you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but from like high school days and all, any any part-time jobs, whatever, sure. whatever you have. I don't mean like working full-time as an adult, but like my Boston pizza delivery driving days still go towards my RSP amounts and take your pick, right? Very well. Um, but all that is to say, if you look at like any National Post article about millennials weighing RSPs versus TFSAs, everything says basically invest in TFSAs because of the liquidity. You're able to withdraw money from the TFSA at any time, well, depending on what it's invested in, but subject to that, in on short notice versus RSPs on law, you know, you have a substantially bigger tax hit if you withdraw on a year in which you're making significant income. Sure. And they're they're designed in order for you to put money away over the long term. Trust me, I'm trying to put a bow on this. I, I was there's, gonna there's... say this is like a Led Zeppelin drum solo. So <laughs> So all this is to say the way RSPs tend to be used in practice is that millennials actually invest through TFSAs um, and then you swap the money over to RSPs in order to get the deduction on your taxes that year and then you're still able to use your $25,000. So if you're sort of a standard millennial earning sort of, you know, fifty dollars to $60,000 a year, on the year that you switch over that money, if you have $25,000 saved, you get about a third of that back on your taxes presuming you paid the right amount of taxes that year. So it accounts to being six to $7,000 more that you can put towards the purchase price of your house. Seems good. It is good. I mean, it's, it's not a horrible thing to be able to increase your down payment amount, likely not have to pay for CMHC insurance if you're going over the 20% uh, down payment threshold, depending on all these factors. All, all of this is to say... <laughs> My issue with the coverage, so this this is a, a roundabout explanation of real estate investing in, in Canada. Um, all oh. this is to say is that the way RSPs are used is actually reasonably time limited. And I don't think a lot of analysis of RSPs understands that. If you look at average investment in RSPs over someone's 20s to 30s, the only time in which they were likely to have that 25000 or more money in that RSP was for a window of one to two years, perhaps, when they mm-hmm. were looking at home buying. The rest of the time, they were probably trying to fill up their TFSAs, if at all. I mean, all of this is presuming that's what they're taking you care can save of, money it, and... et cetera. Yeah, yeah, you're saving money. But again, that starts to happen in the period in millennials' lives where they've moved past university, they found their first stable paying job, they're paying off some of their debts, and they're starting to accrue wealth for the first time. But yeah. So I. So yeah. All Man, of this. Being conservative must rip. <laughs> this shit sounds tight. <laughs> all of this to say is that I think a lot of analysis of RSPs underestimate how they're gamed and how they're sort of designed to be gamed. The thirty-five thousand uh, dollar limit is a continuation of this designing it to be gamed, and so it's. Do you when do you transfer? How do you maximize benefit, et cetera, et cetera? But looking at the average over decades, I, I think is 
a, a poor metric. Do you have thoughts on this? I really you, don't. You're very quiet. I really don't have any thoughts on this. Anyway, this has been a chance financial planning corner <laughs> presented by the voice of short pants. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, okay. Sorry about that. Okay. So to circle back to the interesting story um, about Jodos and Rebold, et cetera. Uh, last week, uh, she released, well, she submitted some documents to the, um, to the justice committee one of which was a podcast episode and good for her because i think audio content is is a booming field and i I think i welcome her contribution to it uh i think canada can always use more good uh political audio content uh so so congratulations to jody wilson rabel for becoming a podcaster this this for everyone who didn't see laura make this joke on twitter the first time exactly (laughs) fair enough you can't can't recycle the twitter jokes fair enough to think do I want to do I want to say this on the episode or do I want to tweet this? Uh, you want for instant gratification of calling you on your bullshit. This this is I think I think earned and I am now owned and shrinking into a corn cob. So um, much much appreciated. Um, but yes, so the Jody Wilson Rebel stuff. I think um, yeah. So the the recording was was the uh, conversation she had with Wernick, which we, she had you know very very good notes about, uh, very very verbatim quotes when she first appeared. And then Michael Wernick made the odd comment on his second appearance that he had not been wearing a wire during the conversation, so did not have exactly uh, the same level of recollection, which, in hindsight, uh, I guess fair comments, because the other person did. Uh, so, fair point, point Wernick <laughs> which, on that which one. Which makes you wonder what he knew when. It, indeed, it does. Um, yeah, actually, I wonder how you would... I guess they were very exact quotes, and he must have been like, Jesus, she must have been recording or something. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? I, I mean, maybe, but what, was it... I don't know. Life is not a literary novel. Like, you didn't need to foreshadow this. I, I don't know why he, he would. He like, does seem like a very gothic sort of guy. I don't know. I could see that. Who Who the hell knows? Yeah. Um. So, there was much hubbub, much, uh, much gnashing of, of teeth and wailing. Uh, because she had recorded this, which uh, people were saying this is the law society rules for the client. You can't record a client, which Mike Wernick, not in any meaningful sense, a client. Um, whether it's kind of weird to do so. so sure, said fine. Michael Wernick. Uh, yes, indeed, as he himself had pointed out previously, uh, not in any meaningful sense, a client. Um, so fair enough. But yes, all that to say, uh, that was kind of the talk of the town over the weekend because uh, it came out Friday afternoon, the traditional time when you want things to people that people talk about to come out um yes because they're extremely good so did you have any did you have did you make anything of this or were you have any like strong reactions i guess this is right when you were coming back pretty much well no it was a few days two after days after two days after i'd settled in i'm all i'm always settled in for canadian politics okay um so listen reading through the 40 page submission um i actually thought it was gonna be a lot but it's not actually that much there's a lot of transcript a lot of who, who's our Supreme Court Justice, remind me? Uh, Cromwell. Cromwell. There's a lot of pictures that I suspect Cromwell took of a phone. Yeah. Where it's like her cell phone like laid out on a table or something and someone taking pictures of it because they don't realize you can screen cap pictures and phones. That was kind of weird. Um, so that's like 15 pages in the back end of the document. So it wasn't actually as long as, it, as I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. And the other half is like 
transcripts of a 17-minute phone call. Yeah. So the actual writing in the piece, um, the the unique writing by Jody Wilson-Raybould is a fair bit shorter. It's like two or three pages of, than, of a letter. Yeah, than yeah. it appears. So it's actually very legible. Um, it's, it's a few rebuttals to things that were stated. Um, the transcript is perhaps among the most interesting um her actual written statements launched this whole side angle that the canadian press was again covering about whether or not brian mulrooney had pressured his ag in a similar way his yeah. ag at the time being kim campbell and some liberal staffer i'm sure running to brian mulrooney's memoirs to try and contradict this claim and then kim campbell rebutting it on twitter so this is the side story no one needed to know about yeah um but in the set so in in the actual transcript i think it or the transcript or the actual recording i think it's sort of like canada's perfect rorschach test oh yeah that's the thing is at this point it's it's almost like what's the point of talking about it because everyone has their opinion on it and, and like, no one's we're not going to change any minds no here one, like if yeah. anyone had their mind changed by this transcript like i want to meet them first of all one, they sound fascinating <laughs> one side what's it like living under a rock <laughs> it's sort of like the myth of undecided voters as these, oh yeah like, wise sages they're actually just really stupid people for the most part. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, undecided voters. So the transcript... You have no confidence in your convictions. There, there's a few key moments. So like based on tone, because for some reason we're supposed to talk about tone, um, Warnick is like, you know, he's pretty calm and level-headed, but his, his statements... He, sounds, he, he does like Obama voice. Uh, let me be clear. I am uh, interfering in uh, <laughs> your independence. <laughs> <laughs> his statements there's one around i think it's around the nine minute mark where he says like the pm just wants you to use all the tools at your disposal which is like uh let me be clear <laughs> that is pretty well trampling on Shawcross. if if ever there was a trample on Shawcross. yes um so it's sort of squaring the statement of fact um the statement of what wernick insinuates alleges all the rest of it versus the oh the ethics of the recording yeah oh she was playing to the recording this sort of thing so i mean i think everyone at this point has has picked a team sure uh so. this, this is why we're just not going to dwell too much on it because like you you think what you think on this and if you listen to the show you're you probably keep up with this stuff so we, we could do this till the cows come home but yeah yeah the, the value to a certain extent is diminishing returns oh, and also just every pundit slash anybody in this country is talking about it all the time so the, the point of view we add is but my amazing. my overriding sort of advice in all of this would be for you to go to primary sources in this um, and again and again i think a lot of people think this is like unapproachable and hard to find and it's like daunting be it the budget or anything else um, but i think more people need to turn to primary sources in sort of their analysis of politics yeah or their understanding of politics even as casual consumers mm -hmm. so like go to the justice committee website right in, type in justice committee go to work control find Shawcross. click on that scroll to the bottom you'll find it yeah. I've done it a couple times, if you yeah, can tell. If you, if you go back and forth outside of uh, Cerulean City, and then you go behind the truck, and you go back and forth a couple times, <laughs> Missing No comes up, and then you can... Uh, you forgot. You have to go to Cinnabar Island first. Oh, I got that mixed up with Cerulean City. That's my mistake. Yeah, Cinnabar yeah. Island. I knew they both started with a C. Q or... Yeah. 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 
That's how you get. That's how you get unlimited rare candies, folks. You heard it here first. Um, Master balls as well. Well, I mean, yeah, you have to do true. both. You have yeah, to do both. Yeah, do it twice. both, obviously. Um, so yeah, I mean, the next thing really at this point is is Gerald Butts submitted some more stuff to the Justice Committee. It's out, I think. Did Wernick submit additional point. stuff as well? No, 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 not okay. to my knowledge. Yeah, that will come out eventually. I don't know. Um, In the coming days. Yeah, I think it's probably fair. Um, yeah, so we'll see what that says. Uh, there's also a upcoming caucus meeting, which the liberals have been telegraphing as saying they will be expelling uh, Joe Wilson Raybould and Jane Philpott from caucus. Some yes, some no. Yeah, but I, I think the overriding sense is that the, the plan it. the plan is to give him the boot. But if it's going as if it's going to a caucus vote, like yes. I, I don't know if someone's going around and taking numbers on their side, but it's Ooh, it's like a time you'd actually have to have a whip count. That's, that, it yeah, never that's, happens. That's where yeah. I'm going. Um, because today some liberal MPs were expressing sort of quasi solidarity uh, with Jane Philpott and JWR um and others were not so there's there is a bit of a public split uh split happening and i I think it is sort of interesting to watch but i do think ultimately they are both likely to be objected i think the days are numbered what jane philpott is being ejected for no one knows giving an interview to paul wells i guess (laughs) i mean you know what really though like some sarcasm aside some still here it's it's aid and comfort to the enemy right like from the liberal perspective yes that that's what it is like yeah, that that's <laughs> that that's really one hundred percent what this is about. Uh, she picked the wrong side, as far as there is a side. Yeah, you're you're not wrong. Yeah. Um. So we will see. But I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll leave it to you guys to make your own conclusions on optics, as to whether or not Justin Trudeau or Prime Minister Trudeau should have taken the initiative yeah. and given the boot himself. Yeah. Or put it into the hands of his caucus, whether, know, whether or not he needs the distance from this, or whether yeah. or not taking the initiative makes him look like a stronger well, I leader. Was, I, I was don't told have, today I don't that take. the rules of the Liberal Party say that caucus members can only be removed by the leader. Was, and in fact, that's been the case every time someone has been removed from the Liberal caucus thus far. Well, the Constitution says that senators <laughs> must be appointed, but it turns out... Well, they still are. It, Turns out you can quasi-elect the ones in Alberta and appoint the people that the elected people recommend. You know, not, to... not anymore. No, that was that... a Senate reference. I know, but pre-Senate reference, this was the workaround. This is the yeah, joke. Yeah, but it turned out to be not legally tenable, so they stopped doing it. Yeah, but they did do it. That's my okay. point. I'm saying no one's doing a reference on the liberal side. I see. They're following okay. like roughly the same idea here. Of, okay. We're just gonna let you vote, and then we'll abide by the decision of the vote, even yeah. though it's leader's prerogative. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> uh, one thing ma- actually, maybe they'll call in McLaughlin we, to we, do the the reference for for the party. Yes, uh, we we mentioned this and then didn't come back to it, but the uh, Supreme Court of Canada uh, leak. Oof. Yeah. Speaking of, um, <laughs> this was actually this might in some ways genuinely be worse in terms of like legal ramifications than anything anyone's done in this whole saga so far. Uh, the, conser- the conservatives wrote... So, okay, to, to back up a little bit, uh, Glenn Joyal is a, a Francophone um, Manitoban judge and the head of the Manitoba Superior Court. I believe, yes, because he was appointed from the Manitoba Court of Appeal to the Superior Court. Um, and Jody Olson-Raybould had written a 60-page recommendation that he be appointed Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of Canada. Um, he was, as many people rushed to point out, a Harper appointee, 
as was, as Paul Wells pointed out, Richard Wagner, who is now the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of Canada. So, you know, kind of okay. Uh, not sure how much you can make of that. He also gave a talk to the Constitution Commonwealth C- Foundation, C- the CCF. CCF, the other CCF. Canadian Constitutional Foundation, I think. Is sure. What it is. Okay, whatever. Um, which is sort of like a center right leaning, you know, law outfit. Not center right. Reasonably say? right, sort of okay. the originalist, the save the beer. Okay. Um, I think it's, if we're talking about the same organization, it's headed yeah. by Howard Anglin, former yeah. legal policy advisor to Stephen Harper, yeah. PMO, and okay. all, all of these I things. I mean, whether you call it center right, right wing, I don't really care. Okay. It's right of center, certainly. And he said some stuff about how, you know, a lot of social policy has effectively been alienated from parliament into and judicialized, which, like... Hells I, don't yeah, brother. Re- I don't really think it's like untrue as an observation like you can talk about the desirability of that but like that that really is like just the case like i i don't really know where to disagree with him on like a factual plane there yes i don't know if you like yeah i, uh, I haven't really heard anyone suggest anything otherwise no it's, okay it's a very milquetoast sort of right-wing observation about the direction the courts are headed yes and frankly like i think it should like left-wing people should be concerned about this too like not necessarily the social policy elements of it but just like when you take stuff out of the hands of elected government and put it into the hands of unelected judges you're just gonna have like like liberals would love that like that sounds great if you're a liberal but if you're someone who who thinks that like you know the sort of liberal order is fundamentally unjust then you you're just not really gonna have a lot of luck in that direction like sorry (laughs) that's kind of just that's how it's not going to be good for you so maybe bear some thinking about for for some folks who who may think that anyway whatever uh the the point of this is that basically he had a you know he had put his name forward and usually when you put your name forward as a judge it's like a big deal and it involves a lot of checks and background etc and it's kept like you don't go telling people that like if you're the government that someone applied to, to for a position on a court and this is what happened basically with the purpose of, of trying to smear Joe Dillis and Raybould as this like right wing covert operative. Um, which is insane which, okay. as a play. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know what they were thinking on that one. A lot of people. I mean, some people, look, look they're hard, hardest hardcore on Twitter. The, the shamrock chicken wine people do seem to believe it. So mission <laughs> well, accomplished there. Do the there. chicken and the wine represent I think we've no talked idea. about, I think it's the blocked by Rempel, right? Both the chicken and the wine? Maybe, because she's like chicken, because she blocked them, right? Maybe? And then the wine. The wine is, I think, kind of self-explanatory and not not a nice stereotype of, you know, what... Uh... Well, she's a sommelier. Oh, is she really? Yeah. I didn't realize Or that. has some degree of sommelier certification. Huh. I thought it was sort of like a wine mom thing. No. That, like, she gets, you know, the Chardonnay and goes on Twitter. No, she, she quite... not not, like... It's kind of sexist, but okay. no, she she quite she, literally has uh, some level of sommelier certification. Do you think they know that? I have no idea what the yeah, shamrocks know. Fair enough. Um, I I did not know that, but yeah, at any rate, that that's kind of the pool of people I think who are really convinced by by she's like secretly incredibly right wing thing. Yeah, there was I think far too much conversation of this trying to dig up like some lawyer that she, uh, that Jody Wilson Raybould had at some point worked with tried to testify on Twitter that he was convinced she was in fact conservative for various reasons in his experience. But like, 
fundamentally this makes absolutely no sense and the folks idea- all prosecutors are inherently kind of conservative <laughs> on judicial issues just gonna throw that out there and the idea that jody wilson raybould would go to the conservative party is like no un- like utterly delusional so this is once again this is a chicken shamrock wine talking point that like which, which is a, a, jump sh- a twitter trend for people unfamiliar with this yes yeah, so the dumbest people in canadian politics um the most credulous morons uh to walk this earth um if i if you do listen to i don't care like that's what you are <laughs> i'm not sorry about it um also why do you listen to the show jesus um no so so at any rate yeah that whatever like I, I think not many people believe it it's a very odd line of attack it doesn't really ring true to people because she was the justice minister for like three four years like you don't fall into that really and you think you she they would have noticed maybe uh, unless like this is now like a secret sting operation to get Jody Wilson Raybould out of cabinet for being right. I don't know. It's, it doesn't really stand any scrutiny. At any rate, so they, they they leaked this stuff about the judge who then came forward and said like, "Hey, really inappropriate that this got leaked. Uh, I had to leave for very personal family reasons. Not don't appreciate it." Uh, the law, law, various law societies were, were pretty outraged, I think, for the first time in this whole thing. Um, <laughs> bastions of, of liberal thinking as they tend to be. Uh, so fair enough. But yeah, and I think the conservatives called for the Federal Judicial Affairs Commissioner. Is it a commissioner? I think it's a commissioner. Something like to that. To look at yeah. this. He basically wrote back saying, I also think this is really worrying, but I actually have no authority to investigate this or, or do anything. It's kind of unclear who, if anyone, does, um, though people seem to think this is quite a serious breach. I don't really know what the statute would be that you would, like, investigate this under, but maybe privacy? I don't know. Yeah. It's just... So, listen. When you're in government, you have a lot of information at your disposal, one way or the other. Yeah. And leaking it can certainly cause harm to the people that once worked with you like leaking stories about all the dirty laundry of a cabinet minister um, or of one of your former cabinet ministers to besmirch their character is certainly something that you know could be done about anyone um to an extent they did this with another story although the timeline and the um authentication of the point of origin and how it came to be reported by the canadian press as opposed to some local i like that some people thought sheer leaked it Halifax. that paper. was my favorite <laughs> like all of this really does look like the pmo is doing it, it no sheer did it, it it does seem to have all the fingerprints of pmo on it um knowing things like the motivations of the pm pmo declining to comment etc there there have been good threads written uh about this the sheer leaked it is <laughs> like how like what is the mechanism for this completely impossible but people seem to want to uh project that onto him anyways if if the opposition could leak this sort of thing the opposition would be having a hell of a lot better time um than they do um but it really brings up a fundamental lack of discretion to say that some things are off limits when you're engaging in this political back and forth and very clearly going down this road of leaking i was i was gonna call it the dirty laundry but it's not dirty laundry there's nothing wrong with jody wilson raybould's approach to the justice she wanted to appoint yeah. it was a matter of difference but trying to slant it and in the process trying to smear a judge's anti-abortion anti-lgbtq issues 
etc was wholly uncalled for and represents you know a substantial attack on the independent judiciary which that's kind of like once again kind of how we got into this mess mess. (laughs) yeah what if we did more of it so like it's just so ill-advised and i i'll I'll concede i joked this on twitter so uh that like the next step here is for like pmo to just start throwing cabinet documents out the window just get one of those t-shirt cannons in in hoping get a mascot out onto sparks in in hoping that it'll somehow damage jody wilson raybould like You really have to know where to draw the line, and it doesn't seem they do. Pizza receipts. It's like she got pineapple pizza. Um, and, it, and it went both Yikes. ways. Someone, Not your best, dude. Someone ostensibly from the Jody Wilson-Raybould camp responded and clarified what the intent behind this was. Yeah. Um, and Which was it, to put an indigenous chief justice on the Manitoba Superior On the Manitoba court. court. Yeah. yeah and like, so, you know, it, it wasn't 60 pages of... Uh, a memo about here's why i really don't like all these things that i got elected original yeah conservative interpretations of why the liberals are the collected works of antonin scalia why i love them (laughs) exactly yeah so yeah not not a lot is making sense in here except for sort of an amateurish hit job yeah and like that amateurish is really the word of of the two months here like just what an absolute clusterfuck yeah you're here indeed uh so i think that that will do it for us at the boys in short pants nights here recording from my couch uh (laughs) instead of my kitchen table uh the beer of the week was nolan void from dominion city a triple ipa 10 percent alcohol yikes no wonder we were so mellow (laughs) um and it's in reference to parliamentary procedure uh and they have a little series of sort of parliamentary procedure inspired beers uh, and null and void decision of the house or ruling by the speaker invalidating any business which the house or one of its committees is or has been considering not really like really out there in terms of like that's kind of what you assume that would mean but there you go yeah what did you think of it um i mean i like triple ipas um they're very strong um they're among the more expensive beers to produce in the amount of hops that they take and they're like concentrated flowery sweet hops very good um, which generally makes them thick and delicious. So I, I this have, was no exception. I have no complaints. No, that was really good. Um, I, I like the name. I do like that they're doing a parliamentary procedure series of beers. That is very nice. But that's what happens when former Hill staffers uh, become brewers. Coming next from the boys in short pants. I, I aspire one day to brew my own beer. That'd be great. Uh, well, now that you have a house, we'll just brew beer in it. Choo choo. Yeah. Well, anyway, folks, that will do it for us. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at ShortPantsPod. You can rate and review us at iTunes uh, or wherever your platform is if that allows reviews. Uh, most of them do, I feel like. Yeah. But, yeah, that would be helpful. Uh, always good. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell people you meet on the street. Uh, scream it from the rooftops. Scream from the rooftops. Howl it at the moon. Uh, yeah. Tell it to the mysterious bird masked strangers who you see on street corners uh everyone really uh yeah that'll do it thanks everyone bye